For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. All together for the first time in two weeks, we say good morning, Winnipeg, good morning, Manitoba, and for all those joining us live this morning on all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Dave Manuk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple of hours, getting you set for this morning's stupid-ass start time of 11.30 Central between the Jets and the Carolina Hurricanes. We are also all about the upcoming NHL trade deadline. It is six days away, Friday will be when the buzzer sounds and no more trades can be made for this coming year. It's a very busy Saturday in store. Gentlemen, great to see you. Great to be back with you. Can't, don't remember the last time we went two weeks without being all three of us together on a program. Yeah, it's been a while, but you know that's what happens when you're gallivanting around the southern U.S. and Dave M. is enjoying a little sunshine. I'm, I'm the only person that stayed here and literally weathered the storm like we're getting like sleet we're getting hail snow we're getting like plus eight temperatures i thought i was maybe going to go to the beach yesterday um <laughs> but yeah it's been a little while like you mentioned two weeks and you know we also have to throw in that moose game at two o'clock the moose play the calgary wranglers we'll have dave m at canada life center doing a live on location jets post game show because we have worlds colliding this afternoon dave I know, not happy. I'm not happy about it. As you're right, Texas Stars though. Texas Stars played Sorry, Calgary. Texas. Yeah, you're right. They played Calgary last week, and this week they've got a Texas Stars, uh, which you know we just saw the Jets play the Stars, and now we'll see the Stars of Texas AHL version I, here in Winnipeg. I will give you credit though, because you were you're saying uh, at Boston Pizza on Thursday that the expectation was that Logan Stankoven would be back with the Stars, uh, the Texas Stars, and he was reassigned to the Texas Stars yesterday. I know, but I don't. Do you think it's a paper I, transaction? It, it, yeah, the the discussion yesterday at Moose practice was whether it was a paper transaction or not, because they're, you know, whether they're just doing some cap jumping and stuff like that. So uh, the Moose are hoping that he's going to San Jose to play with the NHL version of the Stars, as he, and right. not the AHL version of the Stars here in Winnipeg. I wonder if that guy's has anything to do with Chris Tanev because his salary was retained. But I wonder if, like Drew said, like I wonder if this is just to get a little bit of cap relief and then they're going to call him back up because if anybody watched the jet stars on Thursday, obviously we all did here. Most people did. I mean, Stankovin, I mean, he's really good. Dave knows Mm -hmm. that because he was leading the AHL in scoring, but like no Tyler Sagan on Thursday night and, and Stankovin, I mean, he's only played, I think four games, but he's really good. Yeah, he is. He's that, 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 that steal on Mason Appleton was was very nice. That which set up, I think, the third goal. Yeah, his own Dallas. goal. That's the goal he got. No, I know, but it's yeah. it created the opportunity for that mm-hmm. goal. Is what I'm saying. And and so he's he's a he's a good young player. And he's the Dallas Stars have a lot of good young players, a lot of good young talent. But this isn't Stars lunch, Ezzy. This is this is well, it's not Jets lunch either. Jets brunch. 
Yes, exactly. A quick note out of Vancouver just announced seconds ago the Canucks have signed Elias Pettersson to an eight-year contract mm-hmm. extension. Uh, the terms, I don't see them just yet, but uh, there was some talk as to how that was going to uh, play itself out. It's got to be and $11, now, $12 million a year, right? I would think it would have to be somewhere pretty high up there, but... Uh, Anyways, that has just been announced uh, just a couple minutes ago. So as more details come out, we will uh, update you. Not that this is going to turn into uh, Canucks coffee, as the case may be. But uh, (laughs) uh, in any event, there's some breaking news from the NHL world. It's going to be a busy week in the NHL world. And we'll have it all covered on IllegalCurve.com. And, of course, here on our YouTube channel. As we have this morning's edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, we have this afternoon's edition of the Illegal Curve Post Game Show. And then, again, we have... uh, uh, Sunday night's edition of the Illegal Curve post-game show. Let's start with the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, they're in Carolina. Uh, it doesn't get any easier. They had the poor performance on Thursday against the Dallas Stars, and now you're playing against another very good team in the Carolina Hurricanes, and it's very questionable as to who's going to be in the Winnipeg Jets lineup for tonight. As we know, Gabe Velarde, yeah, Dave indicating there's four game-time decisions. Gabe Velarde didn't play the third period. Seems like I'm safe in saying that barring something unforeseen, it's unlikely he's going to be in the lineup today. And then we should mention, Drew, he wasn't on the ice for practice yesterday. Right. He wasn't on the ice for the practice yesterday and neither was uh, Sean Monaghan. Dave, you'll 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 name them. uh, You'll tell me if I'm wrong. Monaghan, Ehlers. And who was the other one that was uh, in Appleton? Jason Appleton. So four, you know, key drivers of this Winnipeg Jets team are very much uh, up in the air. Their status for this morning's contest in Carolina, and that's certainly not the team that you want to be, uh, you know, shorthanded for. But you know, the, the Winnipeg Jets. You know, as we sit here, guys, six days away from. Uh, the trade deadline, having watched Thursday's game where the Jets stepped up in competition against Dallas and couldn't meet the challenge. And based on their performance, which has been w- successful in terms of wins and losses, but I would say relatively middling in terms of actual on ice performance, has that changed your perception or your, your, your vision of what the Winnipeg Jets need to do in the lead up to the trade deadline five days away, six days away from now, as a bit, I think, and I, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised when we start talking about, you know, the Jets' need for a winger or a top four slash top six defenseman. That hasn't changed, but right. I think you do have to be concerned that, you know, the Jets haven't really turned this around yet, despite winning seven of eight games going into the game on, on Thursday night, right, boys? Mm-hmm. So I'm not at all surprised that the Stars won, not just because they've already be- defeated the Jets twice this year. I think I've said this to you guys. I think the stars for me are the Stanley Cup favorite right now. And I, I and I realize that there's other good teams, right? Like Vancouver's good, Colorado's good, and then the East, you've got the Rangers, you've got the Bruins. Right. Um, I mean the Hurricanes are a team that you know I, I wouldn't discount. I haven't even mentioned the Florida Panthers, but I mean I look at the Dallas Stars and they were already a Stanley Cup favorite for me. And then you add in Chris Tanev, and you really don't have to give up much. I know you guys talked about it on Thursday night at Boston Pizza, right? A second-round pick and and a prospect to get Chris Tanev uh, to a group that already includes Miro Heiskanen, Essa Lindell, uh, Thomas Harley, uh, Ryan Suter. Like, they've already got a really good group of defensemen there, right, boys? So mm-hmm. not surprised the Jets lost to the Stars on Thursday night. Obviously, they weren't good in the first period, but, I mean, if you want to just go back, guys, you know, four or five games, um, you know, I think there have been warning signs that, you know, this team is struggling at even strength. And it's really, as Dave has talked about, 
the special teams, the power play that's been propping this team up. But you go back to those games against the Hawks and the, the Coyotes that the Jets needed overtime to beat those teams, right? Like the Jets have not been playing at that level they were playing back in, you know, mid-December, late December, early January. You know, since the player all-star break, yes, they've strung some wins together, Dave. But, you know, a lot of these, or, or you know, even going back to that one nothing win at home over San Jose, right? Like you, you got beat pretty bad by the Flames on the road. Like there have been some games where, you know, the Jets have been lucky to win those games. Like I would point to those, you know, the Chicago-Arizona game where, mm-hmm. you know, you could have easily lost a point in both of those games. So um, I think the Jets are absolutely going to be in the market for a scoring winger and a defenseman. You know, I have no idea. Is that going to be Sean Walker? You know, it could be. The Flyers could also re-sign Sean Walker, right, That's Dave? the so, report, Ezzy. That was right, the report so, yesterday. I mean, I, a lot of Jets fans, you know, have turned their attention to a guy like Alex Carrier mm-hmm. on, the, on the Predators' oh, right-shot defenseman. The only thing is, guys, the Predators are currently in a playoff spot. And have so won might, seven straight. Exactly. So they might want to keep Carrier. So it's really hard to figure out who the Jets are going to acquire. Like, yeah, like, I'm all in for the Jets acquiring Pavel Buchnevich. I just have no idea if the Jets want to give up those young assets to acquire him. You know, what I, I saw a tweet yesterday, uh, or an X or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, I'll give credit to at Avco Cup on, on Twitter for this one. The last 15 games played by the Winnipeg Jets, their expected goals for percentage is sub 50%, uh, which, you know, tells you, and they're, and they're, you know, it tells you where that the Jets have not been. Uh, a, a solid team in the last 15 games. They've been getting wins and they've been banking points and you can't ever take that away from them, Dave. But the mm-hmm. performance on the ice has been uh, not up to par. It hasn't been what it was before. For the first time since game 17, the Jets' expected goals percent, expected goals share has dropped below 50%. So it's not, you know, yes, for a while it's a blip, and yes, you're still winning some games, mm-hmm. but again, you're going back to sort of the not sustainable method of winning games that we've seen for so many years. Whereas earlier this season, for a long period of this season, the Jets were winning games and controlling games. That's the right. difference now is that they're not, they are still winning a fair number of games, but they're not in control of those games like they once were. Yeah. And it comes down to what, as he, talked about it's the fact that the power play is firing again and they've got world-class goaltending so you've got world-class goaltending which you can rely upon and you've got the special teams which you look i mean let's be real for a second jets power play wasn't firing they've probably lost you know at least three or four of those games in that last nine game stretch they they don't because the power play is working so to me it is a a function of yeah this jets team is not playing the same brand of hockey Remember, Rick Bonus's big point was that this is now the norm. The fallback, not this current situation, but the, the fallback for the Jets has been the style that Rick Bonus and his coaching staff have instilled in them. They don't go back. It's not last year where they went back to what Paul Maurice and coaching staff had done. Now the norm should be what Rick Bonus and their staff have done. And the the question was whether it was sustainable, whether players would would kind of you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to use too many horse racing analogies, but I don't want Peter to get upset with us, but it's, can you keep, can you rein these teams in? Can you rein these players in? Can you keep them in that tight system for the entirety of an 82 game schedule, especially guys who are offensive guys like Kyle Connor, guys like Mark Shifley. So, so that Nikolai Ehlers, can you get them to play that brand 
for 82 games. Now we know based on what we've seen that it, that it's not really sustainable and that these guys, you know, aren't able to kind of stay within that. And look, the reality is if you look at the, the like I was funny because Mark Shapley hit the 50 point mark, I think it was two games ago. And you're like, okay, Mark Shapley's got 50 points, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then you look at like Nikita Kucherov, he had like 102. You know, the Jets don't have a lot of the, like, I think someone tweeted at me and said the Jets, you know, have the 49th and 75th top scorers in the NHL two right in now. in the top 100. Yeah. That, I mean, I two in that. the top 100 is, is, is an incredibly Josh low Morsey's, number. Well, yeah, Josh Morrissey's the other at 75. So I'm just, and again, you don't have to win with this, Ezzy, with this kind of goaltending and in theory, defensive structure, you don't need guys, you know, it's kind of like you don't need a power play to be a top five. You just need it to be, you know, in that sort of middle but same sort of idea. You don't need all your guys to be like top 10 of scoring, but you need, you need some, a little more, a little more contribution, which they're getting. But again, like I said, it's coming at the absence now or the sacrifice of the five on five play. So we've seen a real downturn in the way this team has played the last 10 games. Exactly. And I think, you know, you're not only concerned about how the Shifley line has played at five on five, but you're also concerned about you know the Lowry Niederreiter Appleton line that line mm-hmm. has struggled at times even though that has been your most consistent line by far right so I think all signs point to that Chevy is going to acquire a winger we had the comment up from Jason Gralnick earlier like Frank Vitrano uh, on the Anaheim Ducks he's an option we, we've talked about Vladimir Tarasenko we've talked about Jordan Eberly. the thing with Eberly, guys is he has a 16 team no trade list so you kind of have to assume Winnipeg's on that list. I, I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not, I don't yeah. think that's unrealistic. I think, no, and he could wave that, it, Drew, right? Like he could always he wave could it. Wave but it. I think Absolutely. Eberly, uh, to me, makes a lot of sense on like Edmonton going back there or maybe even Colorado. Like I think a lot of teams are going to be after him, but that's t- the type of guys we're talking about. Pavel, well, the thing they need Pavel, to go back and get Niall Yakupov and they need to go get back and get, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, get, get the, get the Bay, the, the, the Taylor the, Hall. Yeah. The, the number one draft picks back together, yeah. get the party back together. Well, there. it's funny you mentioned that Kenny Weeb and Mike McIntyre in their dump and chase column in the Winnipeg free press yesterday, they had, uh, um, who did they have on Adam that? Larson. Adam Larson. Yeah, I forgot there for a second. Yeah. They had Adam Larson there, who, of course, was traded for Taylor Hall, the one-for-one famous yeah. trade, right? I don't know about, about Larson, but, I mean, I think the He's reality Seattle, is... Seattle, so that, that's why they they, yes. you know, they identified him, because yeah. the Kraken are, are not going to make uh, the playoffs this year, right. which is why people are interested in a lot of those guys. Well, Brad and then Canada a lot of people are speculating that next week the Jets play the Kraken twice, and as you know, yeah. for travel pur- purposes, a lot of times NHL teams will make trades. They'll wait to make the trade when the player is already in the city that they're going to be in, right? So obviously we're not going to speculate that the Jets are going to get Eberly here, boys. Yeah. But I think, you know, look, Chevy's already all in. When you acquire Sean Monaghan and you give up a first-round pick, you're already all in. So all signs point to the Jets making more moves here. And I but think you have to be more all to. in. Is I think what, the, what, what, what this week has taught us or what the recent stretch of play has, I think, indicated mm-hmm. is that, the, you know, the Monaghan move, which looks like a good move, isn't sufficient on its own. You can see just by watching the games, watching Thursday's game, watching the Jets' performance as of late, that right now they are a step behind the Dallas Stars when it comes to, you know, if if the Jets and the Stars played in a seven-game series, the Jets wouldn't win that series, barring injuries and everything else, and yes, yes, yes. But right now, the Dallas Stars are a more talented team than the Winnipeg Jets. I think the so, only way they win that series, yeah. and this could happen, is if, is if Hellebuck. Hellebuck has a couple shutouts and he plays, Insane. you know, even 
better than he's played right. all year long. But I agree with you, Drew. Like, let's just look at the depth. They bring in a guy like Logan Stankovin, yeah, and they didn't even need to bring him in. He's so talented, right? And then they've got uh, who's it? Dave Maverick Bork is another yeah. top prospect uh, mm-hmm. that plays in the Stars system. So this and the thing is, look, look at Rupe Hints, look at Jason Robertson, look at Miro Haskin and Ottinger. They're young. Like these are not. This is yeah. not an old team. Obviously, Joe Pavelski, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, Ryan Suter. These guys are older. I think right. they actually are the oldest team in the league. But if you look at the stars, they're they're set up very well for the future. But, you know, the difference is, so, I mean, I don't think the Jets are going to be able to completely bridge the gap between them and the Dallas Stars in terms of, you know, talent level. But the Jets need to reduce that gap. And that's why mm-hmm. I think you have to be still in the market to make some moves uh, in the lead up to, to Friday's trade deadline. Because you can't win the West. The Jets aren't go- – they're going to have to go through Dallas at some point in time. Yeah. I mean, unless there's a, you know, a stunning first-round upset. And that would be a stunning upset from my perspective uh, You know, if, if the Stars – uh, would to get knocked out in the first round. The well, Jets that's why you want to finish first. That's the impetus to, to finish right. first, right? Because it's either going to be the Jets versus Dallas, or it's going to be the Jets versus Colorado, or one if of those. You finish two, three, right? right? If you finish so you, first, you would rather you get... play Dallas in the second round as opposed to the first round. Obviously, no question about it. And and for the record, folks, as much as we're praising Dallas and everything else, look, the Jets are still in the driver's seat yeah. when it comes to winning the Central Division. Exactly. They are two points behind the Dallas Stars. They have the Jets have the tiebreaker, and they have four games in hand. So it's there for the Jets to take. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Jets should still be, you know, thinking first overall in the Central Division is, is easily attainable. But mm-hmm. the thing when you're when you have this deadline six days away from now, when you're when you're rapidly approaching this is your roster for the remainder of the season by and large you need to find the way to sort of make those tweaks and make those additions at this point in time and i don't think we're talking bottom of the roster kind of additions that's not what the jets need right now it's not a depth forward who might be able to swap in on your fourth line they You're have talking about they already have that they have those guys they have aj well, they need a sniper they need they need a they need reinfor- a reinforcement in the top six. Like I Alex Iafalo, I think has done a good job. He's added more energy, a little more tenacity to that second line. Like people, like again, we haven't even gotten into Cole Perfetti, but he's actually played, I think Nemesnikov and Perfetti and Morgan Barron, they, they have actually looked fine. If that's, if that's a fourth line, those guys were all third line guys. Um, pardon me. Obviously, Perfetti was second line, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Nemesnikov was centering the second line, and Morgan Baron Dave was a staple of the third line. So if that's your fourth line, I have no problem with that. I think mm. you just want a little bit more offense. You want a goal score. That's why we're talking about a guy like Frank Vitrano, right? We're talking about, I mean, I, I know this guy brings up a mixed reaction, but like a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko. He can score. Or if you want to, yeah, like a Anthony Duclair who had... Um, you know, 30 goals for the Panthers a couple of years ago. Like this, these are the types of guys we're talking about. And then obviously once you get into defense, then yes, I mean, it, the look, the market isn't great. Now that Chris Tanev is off the market, um, you know, it's basically Sean Walker, you know, Matt Dumba. Um, you know, I don't think the Jets are in on Noah Hannafin at all, but like, I think Sean Walker would fit in nicely, but again, he might resign in Philly. So we don't want to get everyone's hopes up. Well, and that was the funny thing yesterday because they talked about that and how suddenly all of a sudden it went from he was an option for the Flyers to trade as to, oh, well, the Flyers may be signing him. And the only question now is whether they'll give him a five-year term or not. 
So uh, that option may have uh, disappeared, or it could be simply a, a Flyers team that's looking to increase his value and get a little bit more. We know that the yeah. Flyers have heavily scouted Winnipeg, so there's uh, there's a you know a better than good chance that those two teams are are having discussions as because you're always having conversations, especially around this time of the year. You got to have those conversations. You got to pick up the phone, then you put down the phone, then you pick up the phone, and then you put it down. And so, <laughs> what else do you do with the phone? Hopefully, you, you do some talking you while you do you're... the hokey pokey with the phone, and then yeah. and turn yourself around. Yeah, but I mean, look, I, Dave I think... is actually the only person that I talk to. The I was telling Naomi this. I obviously speak to my significant other on the phone, but like aside from Naomi, Laura, Laura and I don't talk on the phone. Very rarely, Dave, do Laura and Dave I. Dave and I, I like to have a nice communique over the phone, but like honestly, I I only maybe my dad. My dad and Dave, those are the two people that I talk to regularly on the phone. Obviously, Drew has blocked my number, so I can't even text him. But uh, it's nice to talk like, you know, like old school on the phone. Like I liked I miss the days of talking on my cordless phone. Cordless phone. I thought you were going to go, you know, say the a corded phone where you were, that you twisted around your finger while you were talking. Rotary about, dial. Uh, in high school, the, 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 which girls you liked or something along those lines. Drew remembers when they still had to connect your phone calls by That's the... Right. Uh, we had a party yeah. line, you know, yeah, back exactly. in the, back in the day where you, you there were party lines. Nobody, people yeah. couldn't have their own individual phone line. Yeah, that's how old I am. Anyway, so you know, I look. I, I think that the Jets play of late, the 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 fact that it's become a lot looser. Yes, and and Rick Bonus can come and st- and stand before us and say, "Well, yeah, you know, we didn't we didn't have our best game and we played a little loose and we have." Well, you know that, and he's not making any changes, right? He really hasn't made significant personnel changes, so. Uh, we we haven't seen the. I mean, again, other than injury potentially just. Well, I was going to say that, Dave. It looks like there's a good chance Gus Bus comes in today. Well, or Rasmus Kupari, or both, based yeah. on the fact or, that, or, or you two doofuses get into the lineup. Uh, well, no, given but that I mean, four and, guys might be out. And and worth noting, nobody was recalled from the Moose. The Moose pl- practiced yesterday yes. in Winnipeg, and everybody was on the ice uh, for the Moose. So it wasn't as if there were there were any recalls made. Um, and obviously, if the Jets, you know, have a um, an extra injured forward. A, they've got the two that can come in from uh, who haven't been playing in Gustin and Kupari and Logan Stanley. Obviously, if they need to go eleven and seven, but but ultimately, I mean, I don't think three of those four are going to not be playing. But we won't know that unfortunately until just as the show ends, which yeah. is when uh, morning skate gets underway in Carolina. So not morning else, skate, game day skate. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, pre-game right. skate. It's yeah, not yeah, the morning warm, warm skate. It's the pre-game warm skate. Up. Warm up skate warm at eleven up. o'clock. So such a stupid uh, start time for a hockey game. I well, I, I, that's it. why. I, that's why I said to you at Boston Pizza. I said I, I don't recall a game starting at eleven thirty. I remember noon games, but eleven thirty to me is just a bizarre. Well, oh, you better yeah. believe that I remember those noon games, boys, because when we were on the radio, and there was a noon time, game. Baby. Yeah, we used to because because Huss and Rick, and then before that, Hustler and Lawless, they used to start their show at what was it 9 30 or 10 so we'd have to go on at 6 a.m or 7 a.m they were always three hours so hustler you know the whatever you know huss and 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 party are always three hours before puck drop and then kevin o uh would start with the pregame show an hour before puck drop which meant on a saturday when the game was at noon we started at 6 a.m which until until i how did we used to do that and we used to do that before we had kids drew I, well, we, I just well, assume that you just went all night long as he just, I actually just don't, I, going. I probably just, did go all night long. Sometimes I don't want to, in the days, I don't want to deviate too far because obviously the, we've got a lot to talk about in the, today's show, but it, I do remember one time as picked me up. And of course that was when we had to drive to the studio and on Pemina. So as picked me up at like 
five 30 in the morning <laughs> and we're, we're cruising towards in river Heights. And all of a sudden I'm like, uh, what's that guy doing? As he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that guy's like breaking into cars. I'm like calling the police. Uh, oh, that's right. You guys <laughs> wow. are breaking that. into cars. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. So anyways, it was just, then we actually realized it was hustler breaking into it. <laughs> <laughs> actually hustler breaking into his own car. He couldn't remember where he put his keys, but no, I mean, look, it's, uh, and then of course I think we insisted on only doing two hour shows. We're like, you know what? It's fine. We'll start at seven. We don't, I don't think anybody's getting up to listen to us. At, I don't think anybody was getting up to listen to us. Oh, at seven, but... saying for those on the podcast, he's saying, I like an early game here and it's kind of fun to watch the jets and have breakfast. So just make yourself some hotcakes, make yourself some, uh, nice strong coffee and watch the jets game. Yeah. And, and you, and you'll have your entire afternoon to yourself after the illegal curve post game show. Think about the hours you're getting it. You're finding no, no. In the course of this day. I hope Gordy, Gordy would be joining us to watch the moose and the Texas stars. So I there mean, you go. That, that that's going on as well. It's in any event, as you can tell folks, it's a very busy Saturday, the illegal curve hockey show going on right now, illegal curve post game show right around two 15 this afternoon. Dave M is going to be at the moose game as well. So lots going on. So keep it locked here on our YouTube. YouTube channel and the website illegalcurve.com all day long for your latest jets and moose news audio video etc i want to get one more i just want to say one more thing drew back to what we were talking about with what the jets might do before the trade deadline nick sealer is another guy that's on the trade bait board he's a left shot defenseman so i don't know if the jets like if he could play the right side dave because we obviously know the jets are stronger on the left side but mm-hmm. the other guy, like the more and more I talk about it, and we'll get into it with Scotty Billick here because he wrote about the trade deadline for the Winnipeg Sun. Alex Carrier to me probably is number one on my list after Sean Walker. He just makes a lot of sense. And then he moves Neil Pionk down and then maybe that that moves Nate Schmidt to your seventh defenseman. But Carrier to me would be a big addition. But again, there's rumors that he might sign a contract and 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 the predators might not move him because the predators are currently in a wild card spot so again it seems like all of the the possible trades the trading partners that the jets might make a move with uh those teams are exactly (laughs) 11.6 million each year is the hit is the cap hit for elias Patterson, who just signed an eight-year contract extension with he's a superstar i'm not that surprised by that number Fifth highest in the league, right behind Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, and Artemi Panarin. So there's the news out of Vancouver. Interesting, where they though, were. that there was some discussion about a potential Carolina Hurricanes Canucks thing before Trade. they got yeah. those conversations going back with uh, Peterson's agent. It sounds like it was a bit of a difficult negotiation, and they did explore the possibility of a trade, but they made the decision to sign him instead. When we come back, as as he alluded to, our good friend Scott Billick joins us for more Jets talk, more trade deadline discussion, more everything on this Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. We keep the good times rolling. Bottom of our number one, Dave M has disappeared into a beautiful chaise lounger there. I think if that's what that is. Here, Here he comes. comes. He's sauntering. And he's slowly sauntering back in. Obviously, it's somewhere more important to be during the commercial break, but that's okay. We'll let it slide on this one time and one time only. I can see Scotty. Chatting with Ezzy. What do you want? Well, maybe chat less with Ezzy to get back in time. I know. Let's bring in Scotty Billick. I see him laughing behind the scenes. Scotty, good morning, buddy. Nice yeah. to see you. How are things? 
Good. Good to see that the show's running smoothly already. I <laughs> the smoothest butter. You know, that that's how we do it here. Hey, look, Scotty, we did the live on location show at Boston Pizza on Thursday, and it went off without a hitch. And that's there without our producer, Tim, being there. So we get we've basically banked the points like the Jets have been banking points <laughs> by successfully pulling off a live on location show for the second consecutive time without actually having any expertise or knowledge. Well, Drew, there was the one awkward moment when and one of the servers asked why you weren't wearing pants and then you said that's how you that's how you normally do the shows at home so there was a little bit awkward then someone had to give drew a pair of pants so aside uh, from that though it went really well yeah threw him off his game a little bit yeah these yeah. The, are these are, 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 anyways forget it not gonna yeah, yeah i don't want to just keep going uh me. let's talk about the winnipeg yeah. jets uh it's uh game time in two hours as we're all used to on a saturday morning and they really saw normal winnipeg. start time super yeah. normal yeah yeah, have you ever written the game? Have you ever written game story uh, this early or started a game story this early? Uh, yeah, because I think I've been on the road when they've done a like a noon, like a nooner. Yeah, yeah. which is technically one p.m. Because like I don't think they've ever done a nooner. I'm trying to remember in the Central Division, but I think they've done it in the Eastern Conference a few mm -hmm. times. The earliest home start um, that's ever been is they, they did some 1 o'clock uh, home starts, you know, 1, 1, 1 p.m. Central, but this would be the earliest uh, yeah. Central time start tonight. Yeah, it, it coincides with Hockey Day in Finland, right? I think that's uh, what it oh, is. Oh, is that today. why it's happening? Yeah, because, so, Hockey Day in Finland, and because Carolina has, like, four Finns on it, I think this is, like, the prime time game in Finland, if I'm not mistaken. Call um, up Billy Hinola. Yeah, so I don't know if they have any other games, NHL games today that are starting this early. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a, a hockey day in Finland game. So well, Finnish fans will love watching Christian Veselin in this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> at least there's at least there's a reason for it. Thank you for that. Your your appearance is already worthwhile. You you've explained it. You've explained why this go. game is so early. Uh, you wrote about it after Thursday's game. You know the the stars. You know gave a wake up call. I know you don't write the headlines, but that's the headline on the article on the Winnipeg Sun. Stars deliver wake up call to subpar Jets. You know, and we sort of, you know, the, the performance on the ice, while successful in the wind column, has not been great in terms of the process. Yeah. Based on Thursday's results, do you think that maybe impacts Kevin Dayoff's approach to the trade deadline this coming Friday? Like, as in, do they... We're maybe... not we're not at the Dallas Stars level. How do we get there? Yeah, I mean, I think... I wouldn't say Thursday kind of showed Winnipeg's true colors because I, I don't think that's the case. Like, I just think they, you know, you win seven of eight and you're sort of not as happy as you would have been. Like, here's what I felt. I felt like the Jets were more happy in their five-game losing streak with their game than they were winning seven of eight, right? Like, and I, I, and that's a, it sounds like a weird thing to say um, because, you know, you take 14 of 16 points in one stretch and you take zero of, of the possible 10 in the other. Um, and well, I think they got one point in there because they went to overtime against Toronto, but uh, either way. Um, yeah. Like I, you know, to answer your question, I, I, I don't think it changes what, like, I think it, it this last little bit, it's really kind of shown possibly where they need to upgrade. Um, I hesitate to touch that second line right now, but, you know, one of the things that Rick Bonus has said all year is that he wants that second line to be a, a scoring line um, to, to, to score. And Alex Iofalo has stabilized it in terms of its defensive play. 
still not sure it's a scoring line, although he does have the one goal um, off the Nikolai Ehlers um, pass off the end boards against, I believe it was Arizona. Um, so, you know, there is that, I suppose. But I, I think there's still, I mean, I think because Cole Perfetti has kind of regressed a bit, let's say, in his second year, um, he's found it a bit of a struggle. Um, you know, I, I think that they just, they, they've shown that they need to have more scoring. So I wonder if there's a top six winger in there. And I, and now, you know, after the last game, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, okay, are they lowering back to kind of the defensive side of the game? Because, I mean, it, it was poor at times, obviously. Um, you look at those first three goals, one's a giveaway by Perfetti, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not great. You can't really blame that on the defense. Um, the second goal, you know, people need to understand that Joe Pavelski is legendary at tipping the puck. And so allowing him to get a stick on him. I mean, you know, great players are going to do that. And he, he made a nice play. But I didn't think the Jets were hard enough on on Pavelski to kind of allow that. And then sort of a bad line change. Like, yeah, I think the Jets just need to sort of get back to playing the right way again. I, I hate the structure has, has, has diminished. Yeah, like exactly. Like the, the, how many, I mean, we saw a couple odd man rushes, the, mm-hmm. the early breakaway. I think it was Mason Marchman who got their early breakaway in that game. Like those are things that we weren't seeing pre Christmas break. Right. Like ever since this Christmas thing. And, you know, I know, I know a lot of fans have been wondering, well, why is you know, this team any different than last year's team and, and, and all that. It is different, but I think, I mean, part of the reason why it's different is because they're winning these games, um, whereas last year they would have lost a lot of these games. Um, <clears throat> but you can see that it's still, like, part of the game that they still need to catch, and it's not there yet. Like, the five-on-five play is, is slipped. It slipped quite a bit, and so their power players bailed them out on on, on a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. Um, their penalty kill has still been pretty good for the most part, um, you know, and they've gotten some some good goaltending, obviously, with Connor Hellebuck and and even Lauren Persuas, who doesn't play a ton, but has given them good starts. But they're just not. Yeah, I mean, you, it's a weird one. I mean, I, I don't really know. Like after last game, it, it was like there was a measuring stick, and and you were hoping to see the Jets, you know, have they evolved since those early, um, those early Dallas games? And I would say the lat, like the third Dallas game, the one a couple nights ago, that was the worst game that they've played against Dallas this year. And that's not what you want to see. And well, I mean, it's March now, it's March 2nd, I believe today. Um, that's not what you want to see at this point of the year, but does the change, does it change Kevin Cheveldayoff's approach i mean i think i think there's a couple things in that game you probably wanted to see the jets a little more physical and they started off the game trying to be right like like adam lowry bowls over delandry again and then and then that, that, that whole like first shift tied delandry it took a lot of punishment um because brendan Dillon then trucked him as well i mean those are good things but they just didn't really kind of keep it up and then they, yeah they you know you get down essentially three nothing or three one um, and, and then that's the game, and, and it, it's sort of over at that point because Dallas is so good at, at, at just shutting that game down, and, and the Jets needed a little more offense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's hard to answer the question because I, I still think that there's a lot of belief that this team can do 
what they did in the first half of the season. I, I think there's been spurts in the last little bit um, where they've really kind of shut games down again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still think they're looking for a top six winger. That That's my opinion. And probably some depth on defense. And I wonder, wonder a little bit if, I don't know if it's a bit of a shakeup or anything like that, but I wonder if they need to kind of, inject maybe something more than a sixth or seventh defenseman into that lineup to kind of get people back kind of pulling in the same direction. Like I, I think, and Dylan DeMello said it after the game, like uh, against Dallas. I mean, he sort of said like, this is a wake up call. Um, you know, like this is the jets found out where they stand against the Dallas stars and they might still have, I mean, the Winnipeg still controls their destiny of winning the central division right now. I mean, you get, you either playing Colorado in the first round or you're playing, you know, whoever's the seventh or eighth in the wild card Nashville at the moment. Yeah. And so, so there's that at the moment, you'd probably rather that you'd probably rather Dallas and and Colorado duke it out in the first round and kind of, you know, for the lack of a better term, kind of kill each other. Right. And, and, and then you can kind of pick up the scraps, but, you watch that Dallas game, and Dallas had played seven games and eleven nights there, and uh, looked pretty yeah. good. Yeah, and they looked pretty good, and that, and now, and then they still didn't. They didn't have Chris Tanev in the lineup either, yeah. <laughs> and so like, yeah, it, it, or it, or Tyler Sagan, or Tyler Sagan. Um, yeah, and and That's and they scary. didn't make they didn't make life hard on Jake Ottinger. Like I, I remember maybe two saves that Jake Ottinger really kind of had to kind of had to bear down on in that game and that's that's just not good enough so yeah i I think it's more what i mean rick bonus called it self-inflicted um sometimes i tend to agree with him but probably not in the same way that he agrees with it in terms of you know lines the lines the way the lines are looking and stuff like that but it's got that, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That leads nicely into my question because I thought you had a great article. Uh, I think it was Thursday. Correct me if I'm wrong. The article where you were comparing Cole Perfetti to to Mark Scheifele, right. comparing yeah. them in the sense that they had similar struggles earlier in their career. I think that's kind of what what the comparison really centered around. And I thought you made some really interesting points because. You know, and you pointed this out in the article, and Dave would know because he was at uh, then Bell MTS Iceplex watching a 19-year-old Cole Perfetti play in the AHL. That was a very unique situation because 19-year-olds usually aren't able, for those who don't know, 19-year-olds typically don't play in the AHL. And so that was different because Shifley had the extra two years in Barry. But it's crazy to me, Scotty, that you even had to come out with that article because obviously, you know, a lot of people are, a lot of Jets fans are criticizing Perfetti. And what I like most about your article is that, you know, you mentioned that, you know, Jets fans have to get, and everyone that follows this Jets team has to get used to Perfetti being on a, on a fourth line or possibly out of the lineup. Because, you know, if the Jets acquire, you know, a, a Frank Vetrano or Jordan Eberle or whoever is out there as a possible uh, trade deadline acquisition, yeah. uh, Perfetti could end up finding himself you know, uh, you know, on on the bench on the, in the press box because if the Jets acquire a top six forward, most likely that means Alex Ayafalo then goes back to his fourth line wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I wonder. I mean, I think I wonder if we would have seen Cole Perfetti in the press box today 
um, if not for the injury to Gabe Velarde, right? And it sounds like Gabe Velarde is not going to play today. He didn't practice um, yesterday in Raleigh. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I wonder, well, even, even if, even if it's not the case, I mean, I, I don't know if you could, I don't think you could really bank on, on Cole Perfetti right now, like as it stands, regardless of if his struggles are not uncommon for a player of his age and, 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 and how long he's been in the league and, and all those things. Like, I, I, I don't think that, I, I don't think you can, you know, you, you, you struggle to kind of hold it against him because it's just, it's growing pains, right? But at the same time, if you're trying to win, um, and, and uh, you know, the Jets are, they are, and they're in a good spot, and, and the, you know, they could win the division and all those types of things, I think you have to make a difficult choice here. And I think the difficult choice is probably bringing in a, a top six, yeah, top six center, or sorry, top six uh, winger. Um and yeah, it pushes people down the lineup and then it kind of pushes people out of the lineup. And I, <clears throat> I, I don't want to say that, you know, anybody's giving up on Cole Perfetti right now because I don't think that's the case. It's just, it's, it's one of those times in a franchise where you have a, a young prospect who's very promising, um, has shown a lot of promise. Um, but at the same time, like this is the difference between even... He's 21 years old, Scott. Like, yeah, this... remember, he's really young. Right, and that's it, right? He's yeah, I think he's either twenty-one or twenty-two now. But yeah, he is. There you go, twenty-two. But um, th- th- that's exactly it. Really, we 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 have these high expectations of Gabe Velarde. And Gabe Velarde is only twenty-three, right? And I mean, obviously, he's played a little bit more in the league, but he's also had a lot of injury problems and that sort of thing. Um, the thing. <laughs> Cole Perfetti got robbed of a lot of hockey, right? Like the OHL season never played in his draft year. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's that. Uh, well, they played a little bit, and then it got shut down. So there's that. Then the year after that, I believe they didn't have any hockey, but he was lucky enough to be able to go to the AHL. He played really well in the AHL, um, which kind of maybe was a, almost a hindrance in, in the end. Like he played so well that it was like, okay, well, this kid's good enough. And because of the loophole was created due to COVID, um, that 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 CHL players that were drafted, I think the rule in the end was, if you're drafted in the first round, you could go and play in the AHL. I think that's what it was, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're I right, Scotty. Yeah, it was something like that. Um, and so he just kind of became a <clears throat> kind of a victim of his own success, I guess, a little bit. Um, and then he had a really good year last year, and but he had two season-ending injuries in a row. He had a good season up until last year. Like, we were talking Calder Trophy last year with him. He was kind of in that race with Matty Beneers in, in Seattle, um, you know, going kind of point per point. Um, this year, I mean, he started off really well. Like, I mean, he hasn't had a point, maybe one assist in his last 14 games. Um, you know, he had 30 points in 14 fewer games. Or 30, yeah, thirty points in fourteen fewer games than last season. Like he was on a good clip. He already scored fourteen goals, just six more than he had the uh, you know in his rookie season. Um, <clears throat> but I think just the game, the the rigors of an eighty-two game schedule, which he's never played. Right, he's never this. I mean, we're, like I've I've written a couple times now. We're sort of in uncharted waters with with Cole Perfetti. We don't know how he's going to react. We know sort of how his struggles are going right now, and that's been. Um, you know, well documented, obviously. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think it, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of it. Like I, 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 I tend to agree. Like, I think the grind has caught up with him. And so, you know, the Jets have to look elsewhere. Like, I mean, I think it's incumbent on, on the Winnipeg Jets to look at their roster, to look at what they've done um, with the, I mean, I assume the hope that they'll get back to that five on five game, because I think this team understands what happens now if you don't because you saw it last year very quick playoff exit mm-hmm. all that sort of thing like i think there's a, a good understanding of of that and and a lot of the players have t- spoken of that right like last year they didn't really have the idea I, I think one of the other things that we sort of missed too with this is that this is a tough system to play in and and this is the second year that these i mean i i thought it was interesting i think it was um adam lowry uh maybe a week, week and a half ago, sort of said, like, it, it's a tough, it's a tough game to play all 82. And, and part, you know, part of the reason why, you know, the Jets losing a little bit and, and that sort of thing, like, you know, we're in the part of the season where you see a lot of the big teams not really playing well. And then you see the Jets were just stacking wins, as you said earlier. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think they have to look past Cole Perfetti at this point, right? To, you know, to kind of tie this up, try and put a bow on this. Like, I, I think at this point, you've seen where Cole Perfetti is. Um, I think he'll be a fine 12th, 13th forward in the playoffs, but you have to prepare for a playoffs right now. Um, maybe not with either Perfetti or at least him being kind of in a, maybe a fourth line role or something like that. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I think he's kind of exposed a bit of a problem for the Jets, and, and that's that they need to kind of fill another kind of, well, in my opinion, a top six roster spot before absolutely before next Friday. So. Scott Billick, our guest Saturday morning. This <laughs> is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We are getting set for the Jets and the Carolina Hurricanes, set to get underway in about uh, just more than 90 minutes' time in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Scott, there seems to be a bit of a sacred pig in uh, the Jets land these days, and that is the union or the combination of Mark Shifley and Cal Connor. I thought and I was the sacred pig. Dave. I was going to say, I didn't know where Dave was the, going with Ezzie, the pig Ezzie, reference on a, uh, on a kosher Ezzie, hockey show. Ezzy, you're a sacrificial pig. You're not a, you're not a sacred pig. But <laughs> but the point is, uh, Scott, that you know we, we, we gave Rick Bonus when he had Ehlers and Velarde and Shifley playing so well together, and I know you asked him about that and you challenged him a bit when we were in the Matt Frost Media Center last week with respect to the lines and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, when that line was playing so well and he broke them up, he said, okay, well, he, he knows that line works. They work well together. Yeah. You can always go back. That muscle memory is there. They've built that chemistry. He wants to build it in amongst other lines. Well, we, and you've detailed this significantly, this, this, this keeping this line together, they're getting scored on a lot more than, than you'd like a top line to be getting scored on. What is it that you think about this combination and this, reliance on it because you you could say well we know they can score goals they're also giving up and in his type of system that's not a good sort of mathematics yeah i mean it's interesting right like i really think he wants that top line to work with connor shifley and and velarde and that's sort of the issue right like i think part of the problem is you you've asked the second line to kind of figure it out with sean monahan and they have like Nikolai Ehlers and Sean Monahan have really gelled together, and so now you're looking at it and you're like they like Nick on the left side on that line. Um, it's one thing Rick Bonus kind of pointed out. He was like, 
you know, moving Nick back to the left instead of playing him on the right kind of worked out well. And so now, you know, do you move Ehlers back up to the top line and Connor down, and then you kind of refine that or try and find another chemistry between two new players that haven't played really at all with each other? That's an interesting thing. I mean, I think a lot of people have looked at, if you just look at the scorer sheet at the end of the night, <clears throat> I mean, coming into the Dallas game, Kyle Connor had been on a four-game goal or three or four-game goal scoring streak, um, and and I think Mark Shifley had a bunch of points in you know his last five games. Florida had, had had obviously put up some points too, but most of that was power play, right? And Which so you people can keep together, you, know, <clears throat> you can keep start the power play the same. And then this is I I had a tweet about this. I'm like. You don't have to change the power play right. to change the top line, right? But at the end of the day, like they need, regardless, this is the problem, right? Like Rick Bonus wants all of his lines to sort of look the same defensively, right? Like, and this is the problem with Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley together sometimes is that they don't look like everybody else. Um, that line is consistent, even if they haven't been completely outscored. Because this is the thing with this line, it's like they sort of get away with it because they have really good goaltending, and and so the, they get out chanced and they get out attempted, they get out shot, you know, all the, all those sorts of things. But sometimes they'll still, you know, at least five on five, and I think we saw it against um, was it Vancouver, there's a couple other games in there as well, where they outscored the opposition five on five, and, and you know, Rick Bonus is sitting there like, oh, look at this, you know, this line won us the game, and it's like. Yeah, they did, but it's like, you know, are you going to get away with these things against a Vegas? Are you going to get a game, get you know, away from these? Well, you're obviously not going to get away with it against a Dallas. Um, you know, there's a lot of those things. Like, and one of the things that early on in the season that made the line successful and and even with Kyle Connor on it was the fact that they were just playing some defense. And, and you know, it that's the line that's sort of gotten away from maybe the most of it all. Um, in my opinion, is that, yeah, and, and I just, I don't know what they want to do with that that top line. Like, you know, I know Rick Bonus says that they can keep going back. Like, it's, you know, they have the option to throw Ealers back up there. Um, but right but he now, won't do it. That's the thing, Scotty. He, he I, they, they rarely do it. do it. Even even against Dallas, right? Like, and and I was wondering, okay, like you're down three one, you're really chasing the game. You you're starting to make maybe a bit of a push in that second period. You know why not try Ehlers back up there and see what happens, right? I mean they were <clears throat> they were trying other things. I mean obviously Velarde was injured in the third period, so so that that changed kind of the dynamic. And now and now are you are you going to do any of that, right? Because if Velarde is going to miss a little bit of time, you know the idea of Ehlers, Shifley, and Velarde just kind of isn't there anymore. So um, yeah, I. I'm, I'm, I think Rick Bonus just wants that top line to work because he needs it to. <laughs> you know, like I think, and, and, and not not to play devil's advocate, but yeah. he does, they he, they do have a little luxury of time to see if it can work yeah. or further work because of where they currently are in the standings. I, I just think a lot of people argue that we know because of all the time that we've seen at least <clears throat> Kyle Kyle Connor and Mark Shakley play together. It just doesn't always work defensively, right? Like they right. can be very good offensively, and we've seen that. I mean, we know those two read off each other very well. I mean, they they play like 
you know, a couple of brothers, right? Like, I mean, there seems to be a little bit of that, that telekinesis there or whatever you would call it um, between two players. Like it's, it's not Sedin like, right. But it's, you know, they, they know where each other's, there's a lot of familiarity, a lot of comfortability, let's say there. Um, but if you want to stay together and maybe, I don't know, because even then I, I, I say, if you want to stay together, you got to play better together. But at the same time, when they don't play better together, they're still staying together, right? Like yeah, that's, that's sort of the odd thing in this. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of shrug my shoulders. Like, I, I don't really know what the – I don't know what they want to do, you know. And and I think the more that they let the second line sort of marinate and let's say they, they make an addition at the deadline and then you got to try it again, right? you got to figure out, okay, well, they've had Alex Ifalo there, but I assume he's the sacrificial pig on that line <laughs> and uh, he gets dropped down to the fourth line and then they try and make it work. They don't want to change up that third line. We've seen that, that that's sort of Rick bonuses go to when times get tough. Um, and so that's the line that's sort of sticking together. None Scotty, of those isn't players. This a, sorry to interrupt you. Isn't this a perfect yeah. opportunity to move Nino Niederreiter into the top six? We've, we, yeah. I mean, this is, has been discussion on in press row. Um, yeah. It, it, it's it's there, right? Again, it, it feels like, and I think Rick Bonus has actually even commented on it, saying it's an option. He or even Morgan Barrett, Scotty, like that's, options. That's, yeah, that's, that's that's like I understand the Shifley Connor relationship goes back. What are we talking about here? What Six are you or seven do? years. Put Morgan but... Barron on the top line, though. Like I, I just don't know, you know. Uh, but yeah. I think what Nemesnikov think... makes a lot of sense. But the problem is like. I think Rick Bonus again, I think Rick Bonus is a great hockey coach, but I think especially with Velarde out of the lineup, I mean, is that not enough reason to put Ehlers up with Shifley because he's your best play driving? Like the analytics, we we haven't even, you know, mentioned the two words expected goals, but Nikolai (laughs) Ehlers is Mr. Expected Goals. He uses his speed and he has a great shot. He's a great playmaker. Like with Velarde out of the lineup, you need to bring some pizzazz to that top line, and that's what Ehlers brings. Uh, yeah, and I wonder what we're going to see. You know, like, I mean, obviously, I think they're going to start tonight with Nemestikov on the top line. Tonight, I say tonight. They start in 90 minutes <laughs> with Nemestikov on the this top morning. line. Um, yeah, but, you know, I think you got to look at it, right? I mean, this is I, the thing. You, you're sort of now given this, I don't want to call it a luxury when a guy gets injured. Well, but you, but, but you but sometimes all these injuries, points. Right. Sometimes injuries lead yes. to experimentation. Right? I would throw more things so, at the wall to see what sticks rather than just do sort of one small tweak that really isn't necessarily going to have yeah. uh, a cascading effect. Well, and I think especially with Velarde out of the lineup, right? Yes. Because now right. you're losing one of your best forwards off that yeah. top line. He's really, I mean, we, I think you'd agree, Scotty, you know, he's the Jets number one weapon on the power play. And I mean, the Jets are going to need the Shifley line, whoever is on it. If it's Connor and Nemesnikov, they're going to le- need that line to be good because the Hurricanes are, you know, arguably, they're for sure a top 10 team in the league. Yeah. You know, maybe even a, a top five team in the league. That's that's arguable. But, I mean, with Svechnikov and Aho and uh, Seth Jarvis, Marty Natchez, like yeah. the Jets are going to need a, a big performance this afternoon slash this morning because the Hurricanes are stingy. They don't give a lot. Like, I think they're fifth overall in the league in goals against. Yeah. So, I mean, they can score and they can defend, and they're not going to give you a lot. You can't expect, you know, to necessarily score two power play goals this afternoon, Scotty. 
Yeah, and this is partly the reason why I wonder if we aren't going to see anything today because of how, I mean, you kind of just outlined it. it this team is very offensive, this Hurricanes team. Like, they, they're, they're shot happy. They, they, they like doing all those things. And Vlad Nemestikov moving up to that top line, I believe that's where he was in practice yesterday, although I, the practice yesterday was kind of yeah, odd. There's four right? guys missing, so yeah, it's hard to exactly. tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see in warm up in you know an hour's time or so what what you know the lines are gonna, really going to look like, but I wonder the, the only problem I think that if you move Nikolai Ehlers up there now, you wonder about how much defense that line is going to play, and I think that's always been the issue when they have had Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers on that top line is you know how defensive is it going to be? The one of the reasons why I think they moved. Alex Iafello up to where Perfetti was is because that line was slipping defensively. No, no so you I know, mean, I would, I so wouldn't now, even put, <clears throat> sorry, Scotty, I wouldn't even yeah. put Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers together. I think this is maybe an opportunity to put to Connor me. with Monahan. See what Connor and Monahan. Like, we I, haven't seen I would them. agree with you. Yeah, but no. uh, yeah, I just it's an it's an yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't know. I mean, I just wonder what they're going to do. They're playing back to back, obviously. Right. Um, and this is this is the the tougher game of the two. Although you can argue that the back to back games are hard, even if it is against Buffalo. But I, you know, I, I agree. Like I, I think there, this should be a bit of a game of experimentation. But it's a it's a weird look on March second, right? To be talking about this team also experimenting with lines like this. Yeah, is, but it's I a think, weirder look to be experimenting with lines when you're at the when you're on the playoff and when you're on the playoff true. bubble as opposed yep. to when you're you know <laughs> second in the central division and yep. you know in in a relatively confident position. I mean, and, and the circumstance. You know, if there wasn't for the injuries, you maybe aren't doing this necessarily, but. The, yeah. the, they're definitely banged up entering tonight today's game. So yeah. why not see if you can maybe find some money where you didn't expect to, to look for it? Shifley Connor Velarde has not worked at five on five now for what six games, seven games. Like, yeah, unless, unless that changes, I don't understand why you keep going back to that, Scotty. Unless, like you said, Rick Bonus really wants that to work. But the problem is, at a certain point, if it's ten games, fifteen games, and you know you've got ten games left in the season, like. Okay, it's time to put Ehlers up there with Shifley and Velarde, or maybe yeah. you know someone else on the on the top line. But for sure, you've got to get Shifley going because Shifley right now is just not playing well enough at five on five. He's been fine on the power play, yep. and he was excellent in that game against Vancouver. But um, yeah. the top line ago. has to be going. Yeah, Scott. Scott, I just want to interject quick because I was going to say it was interesting to hear Sean Monahan talking the other day, and I know you were there when he was talking about Nikolai Ehlers and playing with him and how he's reminds him of playing with Johnny Goudreau in, in Calgary. Yeah. So you do wonder if Sean Monaghan on this team understands Nikolai Ehlers. So it's kind of ironic. Now we're talking about moving Ehlers when Monaghan and Ehlers are now developing that chemistry that he had with, you know, in Calgary with Johnny Goudreau. So yeah. you may have found a player who actually could play and understand the game that Nikolai Ehlers so plays. Just play and... Ehlers on the top line and the second line, Dave. There you go. <laughs> so Problem just solved. Double, just double shift him the whole game. You know, it, it is interesting because I, I that, that's it, it's a good point, and because I think what did what did Monahan say? He's kind of a unique player, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, I'm not saying like he's just trying to find a word that isn't like okay, he's tough to play with. Yeah, but this is sort of the thing. Like Ehlers is very. Uh, when you when you say that Alex Iafella, what he brings to you is, is a very predictable game, you're saying that it's very consistent and it's very, you know, well, predictable, right? Like, you know where he's going to be, you know exactly what he's doing without the puck and what he's doing with the puck, right? 
Nikolai Ehlers is a bit of a wild card sometimes. Is he going to go end to end and score a goal on a you know a six on four or a six on five uh, with the you know with the delayed penalty, or is he going to hit the blue line and try a, you know a, a clapper and, and it's going to go out the other end of the ice right? Like there's you don't always know what Nikolai Ehlers is going to do with the puck and that can be difficult to play with. And I, I agree with you. Like I think this is the thing you've sort of found this line or these two at least gelling together. And do you want to change that? Right. Because uh, this is, this is like, this leads me back to the whole problem with this team is I think Rick bonus bonus wants this lot, this top line to work, you know, with Velarde healthy, obviously um, because it doesn't upset the rest of the lineup. Because you don't have to try and put a, a Nino Niederreiter up somewhere else, and you don't have to try and move Nikolai Ehlers away from this this sort of relationship that he's forming on ice with John Monahan, uh, and and so, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't, I think we're back to this point where you're really just trying to implore your your top line to stick to the sort of process, right, like. Kyle Connor was scoring a lot of goals early on in the season because they were playing a good style of game. It wasn't because he was sacrificing everything, right? Um, yeah, I, you know, if, if this is like, it, it almost seems like this is sort of the inter the the the, the eternal um, question with this team. You know, like even you know now you don't have Mark and and Blake anymore. Now it's Mark and Kyle, and and. They're, they're sort of the duo that you want to keep together. And I think Rick Bonus believes in his mind a lot at the time that he sees this those two as very much game-breaking guys. Um, but at the same time, that they're also a very frustrating pair for him at times. So, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just, not, I, I didn't, I was trying to read that one. Yeah. But anyways, right. yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things. I don't know, don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a good question. Yeah, you know, like I it just it's it's yeah, the whole thing's weird, you know, and that's it's weird, Scotty, it's, because for for the first forty five to fifty games of the season, we were talking about maybe not forty five to fifty, but forty to forty five. Sure, we were talking half, about yeah. how yeah. the power play has been so bad, and it was baffling how bad the power play is, and now it's the power play that's doing most of the damage for the Jets, and then at five on five right now, it seems like really the only line that is playing well on a consistent basis is the Monaghan line, right? So it's like, sure. it's, it's just they, they can't ever get the two to combine together with the five on five play and the special teams at yeah. the same time. I mean, that's just like, yeah, yeah. That's the, the evergreen problem that this right. Jets team has had for, for a long time. That's right. And, and uh, yeah, just unsure. Like, I mean, you can say, Oh, just play harder, play better defensively, all that. Sometimes you just always feel like the fit just isn't there. Right. Like, and, Sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. Well, sometimes, you know, they really do get it right. Um, but they just don't seem to it, – it's hard to find – it seems that they have a really tough time finding that consistency. So Some some yeah. players are paint by numbers. Some players are avant-garde <laughs> painters. When, when Scott Billick appears on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, he always paints a pretty picture regarding what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets. The joy of hockey with Scotty Billick. There you go. <laughs> Scotty, thank you, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Nice Thanks, to be Scott. back. Get on. some coffee. You gotta, you gotta write it. You gotta start your game story any minute now. Oh, I know. This is yeah. These were rough. Plus, first day of F one, and I'm sort of waiting. 
yeah, first day of F one. Haven't uh, haven't looked. I'm trying not to look at social media. Don't want to know what's going on in the race. I got to watch it later. So, yeah. well, how is how is Jacques Villeneuve doing this year, Scotty? <laughs> uh, I think he's a pundit now for some French uh, channel. That's what he's doing. So there he's not go. he's I... not winning championships anymore. He's not kind of. Yeah, those days. I can are assure you, you're not going to get any F1 spoilers from the three of us. Uh, yeah, well, that's so good. I think you're this safe is, here. This is the nice thing, right? Like, this is the nice thing about watching F1. Is like, it's growing. People, you know, the whole thing's growing. The Drive to Survive series and all that's really brought people along. But yeah, there's not a lot of people trying to spoil it for me because Drew's a huge Michael Schumacher guy. Oh, Michael <laughs> Schumacher. Anyways, I mean, I, I totally respect Michael Schumacher. I'm just not. No, I just, I, that's Villeneuve yeah. and Schumacher. Those, 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 he did, yes. Like, right. 11 years ago, and he's, it, he's not well. Right. He's, he's not well, not right? That's yeah. what I thought. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know that. Now I feel bad. I didn't realize that he was. In <laughs> yeah, I knew exactly right. that, as he had no idea about that. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, I'm a horrible person, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that long before, uh, long before <laughs> today. So <laughs> thank you, buddy. Appreciate Enjoy. We'll do it again soon. There you go. Scotty Billick joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We go to break. Much more to come. Stay with us. We're live on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go. We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs from restorative to cosmetic dentistry and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly, see lindenmarketdental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fedalytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. Catch the game at Boston Pizza. Powered by Fedalytics. We did it again. You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zappia of Zappia Group Realty. Get started at zappiagroup.com. Bottom of the hour, 
shortly thereafter. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you on this Saturday morning. Uh, question or two up front. This coming come from Ken Weeb moments ago. Uh, there is still a question or two up front, but the Jets will be without Brendan Dillon today. As he's under the weather, that means Logan Stanley draws into the lineup. So Stanzilla. We the Winnipeg Jets are certainly going to be up against it this morning uh, as they face off against the Carolina Hurricanes in downtown Raleigh. This would be a game you would want your full lineup for in any event against a very difficult opponent. But the Winnipeg Jets will not be at full strength. We don't know the forward situation yet, but no Brendan Dillon today on the back end. This is going to be a tough one for the Jets, guys. I mean, you can sort of almost see the 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 cards uh, being uh, you know uh, being played before the game is actually uh, underway. Well, yeah, and that's because we don't know how many forwards are going to be out of the lineup, right? Like, we assume Gabe Velarde is going to be out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, but the question is, how many other players are going to be there? There's Monahan Appleton. Those are well, the guys exactly. Who are also I mean, obviously yesterday. Mason Appleton. All due respect. I mean, you you not could, as significant. Exactly. So, I mean, are we going to see Rasmus Kupari and Gus Bus in the lineup, or is it just going to be Kupari who presumably just goes in for a fourth line role? I think David Gustafson isn't going into the lineup and starting on the top line either. But <laughs> I know Brandon Dillon. You mentioned it, Drew. So Logan Stanley comes in, and we talked about it like. The Hurricanes, for how many years, have been that team that, you know, people wonder, can they take that next step and go all the way? They've just been kind of good enough to get to the, kind of the second round or third round. Um, but I, I wonder what they do at the trade deadline as well. I haven't checked their cap situation, but I don't think the Hurricanes are going to be, you know, one of the bigger, uh, you know, movers and shakers at the trade deadline. But you'd have to think, Dave, that, you know, they want to supplement the roster. I don't necessarily know that's a goaltender because Kachekov's actually been really good. Uh, yeah. But you wonder, you know, what kind of moves they're going to make. Are they going to bring in maybe another forward, maybe a depth defenseman? Um, but it's already a very deep team. Yeah, the, 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 the Carolina Hurricanes are a very good hockey team. They're a particularly good regular season team. And then they've <laughs> always sort of flamed out come playoffs where they haven't necessarily had the goaltending or they haven't necessarily had that, you know, been able to get that that clutch goal when they need it. But you remember last year, you know, they were without Svechnikov in their lineup. He was out. He had torn his ACL, if I recall correctly. Uh, so, you know, that's correct. And he uh, is healthy and he's at a point per game clip. So, right. Svechnikov, look out for him on that top line. This um, is another one of the left I mean, winger on the Aho line, which is what they go Carabina. back to. You know, you look at the Dallas Stars on Thursday, and I don't want to harp on it, but you look at the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, today, and some of the other sort of top teams that the Jets are are in the running with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those teams don't have obvious holes. Like, look at the Dallas. I mean, I know you know the, the game happened on Thursday, but tell me where the hole is in the Dallas lineup because I don't. There's not one that's you know vivid and 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 glaring, you know, like there is on some other teams. Like the Jets seem to have a hole or two in their lineup that they could that they would want to fix. You know, Colorado even has a hole or two in their lineup. Maybe goaltending, maybe some depth scoring. They have a hole. Or I wouldn't two. call the Jets a glaring hole though, Drew. Just in terms of. They just won seven of eight games. Like I, I realize right now, they have a glaring hole in their top six. If you uh, you know when you when compared, especially to... with Velarde injured. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right though. Cole Perfetti. I mean, he is now a fourth line player on this team. That's just the fact, right? Until like we don't need Daniel Dale to fact check that, Dave. Yeah, Cole, Cole Perfetti is on the fourth line right now. Could he get back into the top six? Of course he could. But right now, I mean, 
look, I think Alex Iafalo is a great hockey player. I think he's a good, but he's not a top six guy. I'm sorry. He just isn't. He's mm-hmm. not, he's not going to give you enough offense, Dave, in the top six. Once it comes to playoff time and you're playing Dallas or Colorado or Edmonton or Vegas or whoever the Jets end up facing on their playoff run. Um, the interesting thing too about Carolina is they're kind of, um, you know, they're almost on a, I, I would say, uh, crash course with the Philadelphia Flyers in the second round. I mean, the Hurricanes, I think, are five points back of the Rangers, but it looks like right now, and b- boy, would that be a great series, eh, guys? Hurricanes and Flyers in the first well, round. I mean, those the those... Flyers are slipping, and the Capitals, with their win last night, the Capitals are only four points behind Philly and have two games in hand. So the Washington. Well, what I'm saying is more so push. the Hurricanes are kind of locked into second there, unless yeah. they go on a little bit of a run. I mean, the Rangers just keep winning, right? But the right. point I'm trying to make is, guys, the Jets are going to have to put out a better performance. They're for sure going to have to have a better first period because that first period in Dallas, you guys talked about it at Boston Pizza Taylor on Thursday. I mean, you go down 3 nothing to a Stanley Cup contender like the Stars. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to come back from that, Dave. So, I mean, the Hurricanes are just, I mean, we talked about Winnipeg, Seth Jarvis. He's having a breakout year. He's on pace for, I think, like 65 or, or 70 points. Yeah. A product of the, uh, the Rink Academy, right? So I think that, you know, this is going to be a, a tough test for the Jets. And then you've got the Sabres coming up, uh, you know, tomorrow. So, I mean, you, you got to get some points here. You can't lose both of these games based on what happened Thursday night against Dallas. Yeah, I mean, as he's 100% right, the fact is that you should be a pissed-off team. You went up against a team, despite the fact that you have games in hand and you still control your own destiny against both Dallas and Colorado, you have to win those games as people make the observation, right? So that, that to me, is what Winnipeg needs to start. They need to be an angry team because you can't be, well, we won seven of nine now because ultimately, as we've discussed, if your power play wasn't firing or your goaltending wasn't playing up to snuff, you're probably not winning those seven out of nine. So you you did. You don't have to make excuses for it. But I thought the point Scott made earlier was they're probably happier with their game in that, you know, oh four and one stretch or than they against are the Leafs there. Yeah, especially against the Leafs. But you know, and Rick Bonus referenced that Leafs game. He said he said, look, we did everything but score, and like our, our scoring chances were off the charts. We just couldn't get a goal. But he said they liked the opportunities they created. Mm-hmm. So. Again, to me, it's a function of like the team has to like, again, it's hard right now. And, you know, I put up the, ch- the comment by um, from the chat about whether the Jets are dealing with illness. We know that it cost Morgan Barron a game. It's cost guys, you know, to be to miss some time. So clearly there's some sort of bug that was going through the room. But ultimately, again, you know, you have to everybody deals with something, whether it's, you know, Tyler Sagan isn't playing or Brand, uh, Chris Tanev doesn't have a, a visa. Right. As he so every team has to deal with some thing some intangible that could impact their lineup does he have but a ultimately card? pardon me does he have a mastercard Ooh, drew terrible terrible joke that was an Ezzy joke i thought Ezzy was gonna make that joke one second one second honest. let's one second and drew's gone <laughs> okay drew's back but drew come on that was a terrible joke i Anyways. thought that was an Ezzy joke i was well, it's fine when Ezzy makes it. it but not Tanev you. does have a scene card though okay good as long as he's got a scene card good Anyways, to, maybe a co-op number so I, I mean, look, I know we're 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 wanting to do some, some more trade stuff because, of course, the trade deadline is coming up. We didn't even talk about the Batman appearance in Winnipeg. I mean, there there really is like we're previewing the Jets and Hurricanes, and obviously that's important. But it's Ezzy. It's amazing to think there's so much going on within this within the last few days, and of course with the uh, upcoming trade deadline. Okay, so, well, so let me ask you talk this... about the. Oh, hold on, let me play host here for a second, Drew. Oh, I okay. never get to throw out the questions, even though I'm the only one that has the journalism diploma. What about Anthony Mantha? 
I mean, I think Mantha would be a great upgrade for the top six. Wait, are you answering now your own question? <laughs> I am. <laughs> no, but Mantha's having a good year with the Capitals. The only, again, it seems like we talked about Alex Carrier. Uh, who else did we talk about? Sean Walker. All these players are, are players are, t- are on teams that could make the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, Anthony Mantha, if you're the, we know the does Capitals he, have been trying to trade Mantha. Me, though, or couldn't you see Anthony Mantha just. He's a goal scorer, Drew. He can score. <laughs> I know, but there's always seems like the, the entirety of his career, dating back to when he was in Detroit, there's always seems like there should be more to him than there ever has been. Like that, there sh- he should be more adept, or that he can disappear. He was on some pretty for, bad Wings teams. True. He was, admittedly, but that he can disappear. I mean, the knock is that he can that he can disappear for stretches at a time. Not to say that you shouldn't explore it or kick the tires on it, but he doesn't strike me as a Winnipeg Jets esque player. For whatever reason, and I've heard the name, and I understand why, because you look at some of his numbers and everything else, and there there, there should be an appeal there. He's a skilled I, what, player. Like he's yeah, look at he's big not body, big guy. He, he's not. Um, I don't. We could have that argument, you know, whether acquiring Anthony Mantha is going to move the needle. But I think right now, with the development that Cole Perfetti is not scoring for the Jets on that second line, and he finds himself now on a on a fourth line. Mm-hmm. I think the Jets need a boost there. So, you know, we mentioned Frank Vitrano. We mentioned Pavel Buchnevich. The problem, guys, just I'm going to throw a Buchnevich. The problem is, are you not having to give up a pretty good forward prospect? Like, well, I don't know if you have to give up Brad Lambert, but do you have to give up, you know, a, a second round pick and, you know, Chaz know. Lucius and somebody else? Like, as, St. Louis, Andy, St. Louis is not trading Buchnevich for nickels on the dollar. As he, Andy Strickland, uh, who covers the Blues, as much and as connected as anybody in that market, I think he says something like they want two first round picks for the Jets. Don't so have that, right? They already they do gave, not. They, they do can not give a second, so. a high second round pick because it's Montreal's second round pick. Of right. course, we know yeah. that. But I just don't know if the Jets want to give up that much. I mean, Brad Lambert to me seems like a guy that the Jets do not want to trade right now, even if they want to acquire a player like Buchnevich, because Lambert his ceiling is so high. Dave, when was the time? Like the Jets have never traded a young first round pick. You know, like a previous first round pick that's still sort of trying to crack their way into the lineup. The Jets have never done it. The only one they traded, of course, is, uh, you know, is is Jacob Truba. But that was years after he had already been. They had him for eight years. Right. Exactly. He wasn't a young prospect at that point in time. He was he he was on his way out of Winnipeg, and everyone knew that. So the Jets have been certainly reticent to trade one of their young guys. uh, You know. Well, and that and that's the that to me is an interesting question, Drew. Is which prospects are the Jets willing to deal? And we don't, right. of course, know that answer. But I, to me, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting thought experiment. Is to look at the Jets, you know, um, stable of, of young prospects and say, well, are they will like we, like Ezzy, It's pretty obvious the ones that are in my mind untouchable. Rucker McGordy, untouchable. Yeah. You've got um, Colby Barlow. Of course, you know he's been on a goal scoring streak. Seems like he's untouchable. Elias Salamonson. I would disagree. Really... I don't know if Barlow's untouchable, but uh, I think he's still too. There's still too, too much yeah. to his game for them to give up. No, on I'm him. not. I'm not saying the Jets are going to trade him, but I. Uh, this is just me personally. I'm not speaking for Dave here. Yeah, I put Rucker McGrody in a, a tier above Colby Barlow myself. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, and again, he's a year ahead of him, but I mean, I, I think that again, I think that. You, they really like what they've got in Rutger, but they're hoping that in Barlow they're going to have a goal scorer, you know, a, a guy who can put that puck in the back of the net. I don't think the Jets are considering trading Barlow right now. That's just yeah. my own speculation. No, I know. But, uh, but I, I think Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert have to be in the conversation if yeah. you're talking about it. Like the thing with Anthony Mantha is, guys, 
there might be salary retention, but what are you giving up for Mantha? Does a second round pick and maybe a later round pick get him? Like, I don't know if you have to give up a prospect to get Mantha. You don't. You shouldn't give up a prospect to get a rental in Anthony Mantha. Exactly. You shouldn't that's give why, up a That's pro- why that's same thing with Frank Vitrano. You're like, not we giving have, up uh, a prospect. You're not giving up an A prospect right. for any rentals. Well, look at the look at I mean, look at look at right. look at Dallas. They gave up a C prospect. Now, right. now Calgary in it's and again, look, prospects are in the eye of the yeah. beholder, right? In the sure. sense that like you know, one team's valuation could be significantly different. We know that. There's no surprise it's why guys get drafted, you know, first overall when other teams might have them 15th overall. I mean, teams value players and value their their characteristics differently amongst the 32 NHL teams. So, you know, again, what we see or what collectively, because I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, um, saw as like a, a more of a BC prospect. Maybe the Flames saw him. Clearly they, they saw him because that's what, you know, you heard out of Calgary was that he has, you know, his value to them was, was significant for this deal. Right. As he, so, so that's always important to factor in. Like you could look at a guy and say, well, you know, he's got this warder, he's got this, he's got this, but other teams may look at him and go, well, he's got this asset. He's got this asset. Him in our system could look really good. So again, valuations are, are different amongst the 32 teams and the way they evaluate talent. I just think it's an interesting thought experiment to look at the prospects in the system. And, you know, again, I, I, I tend to believe that the, Brad Lambert's and the Colby Barlow's and the record McCordy's those first overall picks or not first overall, but first round picks, sorry, are, are sacrosanct in this, within the framework of this, but look, the guys like Nikita Chibrikov. I was going to say, did, would the Jets move Chibrikov to get Buchnevich? I mean, I think you would have to, and I think it's probably worth it for both for a year plus of, of exactly. You have the extra year, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Chibrikov to me, Dave, I, you watch him way more than I do. I like him. Yeah, but again, if the like to me, Buchnevich moves the needle more than Anthony Mantha. Like Buchnevich no is a Buchnevich really good is player. A significant top, you know, doesn't he's he have twenty? Doesn't he have twenty four goals right now? He's got he's got a somewhere in that realm. I mean, he I, I believe he's he got fifty points. Yeah, I mean, where think about a fifty point score on this Winnipeg Jets team? That's you know, <laughs> the Jets don't have guys. those. You know, they did, you know, and that's a lot of that is a function of injury, of course, because Kyle Connor would have been at that level and Gabe Velarde would have been at that level, likely. But Buchnevich comes 20, in 24, 24, Dave, 48 yeah. points. Hey, I was Buch, right, 24. Buchnevich comes in and and changes the makeup of your team. You have a you have a significant top six there with Buchnevich. You're no longer sort of filling in gaps you're not you're you're no longer sort of plugging and playing somebody from the bottom of your roster and he's a hard player to play against as well Buchnevich he's got some bite to his game people think of him just as kind of an exclusively as a goal scorer no we just mentioned he's 24 24 so he can dish the puck as well so to me like I I think you know Buchnevich there's a reason why you know a lot of people have him number one on their kind of uh, want list Jets fans trade deadline want list it's Buchnevich T- hey, who Ticona Paula, you've been on this train for a while now. Well, Vetrano, as... I just like because he's a sniper and he's a guy that can probably play on your second power play unit if if that's what you want. Like, I, you know, look at Vetrano's not a great defensive player and he's well, that'll not the go, that'll player, go well in this system. But v- Vetrano's a sniper and that's what the Jets need. They need some more offense on their second line. So we'll see what happens. But Buchnevich, Vetrano, Mantha, Eberly, these are the guys we're talking about. Those are the players that are available, right? The, or the we point think is that are available. Need... The point is, you know, it, it, it's glaringly obvious 
that, you know, right now the Winnipeg Jets do need a, an addition to their top six. You know, Cole Perfetti, and this isn't to say that you throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to Cole Perfetti, but, you know, his, you know, as Scott alluded to, his first full season, it's getting to be too much of a grind for him and he's plateaued and or diminished. So you can't expect him to find his game and improve upon it come playoff time when the game gets even harder. You need a seasoned veteran not an old player but somebody who knows what the game looks like come playoff time to slot into your top six and I think you can certainly argue that you need that for your second pairing right side defense as well I mean there are vivid holes on this Winnipeg Jets team that they really have six days to address and if they don't address them it's going to be a significant question mark leading into the playoffs look this Jets team is going to be a playoff team there's no question about that that's that you know that 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 discussion is, is is gone by the wayside this you can you can get ready for the playoffs but the question is are they a truly competitive team in the western conference and i think they only get to that point by adding a couple of players between now and friday's deadline i want to throw one more guy out boys riley smith was in that article as well the only thing with riley smith is i'm not sure if he has a no move or a no trade or whatever he, does. he could waive it but doesn't he make a lot of sense to go back to Vegas? Like, I, I again, I'm speculating here. Uh, a lot of people have Jake Gensel going to Vegas, but Riley Smith won a cup last year with Vegas. Doesn't it seem to make so much more sense that Smith just goes back to Vegas? But we'll see what happens. But Riley Smith is another one that I think would, would be a great acquisition for the Jets. The trade deadline coming up on Friday. The Jets and the Carolina Hurricanes coming up in about one hour's time. When we come back on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, Rachel Dory is going to join us. We'll talk all about what's going on around the league. It's a hectic time. It's a busy time. Six days until the trade deadline. Games galore. Don't go anywhere. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on on this Saturday morning. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Saturday morning, Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. The Jets and the Hurricanes in one hour's time. Of course, the Illegal Curve postgame show coming right up after that, 2.15 or so this afternoon. We'll be back to talk about the Jets and the Canes. We're pleased to welcome to the program uh, the host or one of the hosts of the Staff and Graph podcast, which is a great name. We're pleased to welcome Rachel Dory to the show. Rachel, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. How are things? Good morning. Yeah, things are good. I, I actually got to sleep in on a Saturday, so it's kind of nice. And uh, yeah, I mean, we got hockey on all day, so it's like I roll out of bed. <laughs> I get to watch hockey. I can't complain. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. No complaints at all on, on that front. Uh, Rachel obviously brought you on six days before the trade deadline, a very busy time period in and around the NHL as teams that are sellers are looking to extract the best price possible and teams that are buyers are looking to uh, fine tune their roster for uh, playoff runs. Uh, you and and Mike Stevens, your your co-host on on the podcast, spoke about the Chris Tanev acquisition by the Dallas Stars. And here in Winnipeg, of course, we're very familiar with Chris Tanev and the Jets and the Stars being division rivals. Uh, are the Jets, you know, know that they're a team that the the, the Stars are a team they're going to have to get through. You know, from your perspective, given the price or the low price that the Stars paid, uh, you know, your thoughts on the on the Tanev acquisition to sort of kickstart this week of what should hopefully be a friend of trades yeah I mean you look at it I think outside of Noah Hannafin and I don't believe Jacob Chikrin's on the market I think that's the best defenseman available and so for him to kind of go and be the market setter and it wasn't 
necessarily as big of a price as we were all expecting. I think quite a few selling GMs were annoyed um, <laughs> by the fact that that was the return. I think it's a fantastic pickup for Dallas. They'd been rolling with a pair of Haskinen and Harley. And I think both of those guys are so super talented that if you can maximize the time they're on the ice by splitting them up, and that's probably going to be the best way to approach the playoffs in terms of balancing your lineup. And so I think you can go Haskinen and Tanev, or you can go Harley Tanev, and then Lindell with the other one. And I think that's great because that also allows Ryan Suter on the third pair. I think it's a great pickup for Dallas. They didn't really have to give up a lot. Mm-hmm. which kudos to Jim Nill, just an absolute masterstroke. But yeah, that's it's going to be a key piece for Dallas down the stretch here. Let me ask an addendum to that one, because you mentioned that, you know, the, the Stars didn't have to give up a lot, and they certainly didn't, because, I mean, you know, to get Chris Tanev without giving up a first-round pick, I think a lot of people thought it was a surprise. Why is Calgary in a rush to make that trade that early when it didn't really sort of, uh, you know, blow anyone blow anyone away with the return. It seems to me that that's a trade. That deal is, is one that Calgary should sort of you know put on the you know uh, on the side table to see if they can get more closer to the deadline when everyone knows Tanov is basically the the you know the 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 cream of the cream when it comes to to defensemen on the market. Yeah, I think there's really only. Um one explanation and it's that Chris Tanev plays a very hard game and they Calgary's got a couple tough games before the trade deadline. And I think there's maybe some fear that he might block a shot off his face and get hurt, or he might take a couple of cross checks to the ribs. Like anything can happen. And then you, you lose out on that asset. So I think if you have a deal, I personally would have waited for a better deal, but I think if you have a deal that you're comfortable with and you really are confident that it's not going to get any better, not that I would have been in this case, then I can understand why you're pulling off the deal because I mean, it, that's a guy that could get hurt and you, you kind of, then you're kind of screwed. And so I could see that being the thinking for Calgary. I probably would have held out at least a few more days just to see if I could get something better. Rachel, I promise we're going to ask you about other teams aside from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but we got to stick with the Jets because right before you came on, we were talking about the trade deadline. What else, right? That's what That's what only – I, I pretty much see like the January come and then it's like all we talk about is the trade deadline for, for two months in addition to the games. But um, what do you see the Jets doing? Because obviously – the Jets' top six is not clicking right now. Gabe Velarde is not going to play this afternoon versus Carolina. Nikolai Ehlers might not play as well. There's a few players that are game-time decisions, but w- what players do you see that are available that would g- be good for fits for the Jets? Like Anthony Mantha's name is out there. Pavel Buchnevich, his name is out there. These players also um, you know, might end up sticking with their current teams because they're in, in, in the playoff race. But what do you kind of see happening? Should the Jets get a defenseman maybe? Yeah, I... Uh, that and it's tough, right? I mean, they're they're set in the most important position, and that's in goal. So at least they don't have to worry about that. Um, you got the prohibit, like the basically the the Vesna winner chilling in the cage there. So you're good. I think any team that's a contending team wants to shore up their defense, right? You want to have probably eight guys that you're comfortable playing heading into the playoffs, and so I could see them getting a defenseman or two. Um, like just depth guys, right? Whether it's like a Joel Edmondson, maybe a Nick Sealer. I, I, Nick Sealer is going to be a bit of a price to pay, but I, I could see them going and getting guys like that. Maybe a David Savard if there's going to be money retention. Basically shoring up the bottom of the lineup. As for the forwards, 
I would like to see them go at Adam Henrique. I think with Cole Perfetti and the season that he's had, you've got Mark Shifley and you've got Adam Lowry, but you need like three absolutely solid centers. And I think Adam Henrique could bring a little bit of offense, maybe balance out that lineup a little bit more. And, and you go from there. I do think they need some help, but at the same time, like you also have to play Nikolai Ehlers more. And, and if he's not going to play today, that's different. But generally speaking, like talking about a guy that should be on the number one power play unit, a hundred percent of the time, he should be getting consistent top six, if not top line minutes. And he needs to be out there in all the key situations. And, and so I think part of this is deployment, but another part of it is the fact that I do think they need probably one or two defensemen and a second line center. Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg. Rachel Dory is our guest. She is one of the two members along with Mike Stevens as the Staff and Graph podcast. Rachel, got to ask you about Nashville. Is there a team that nobody talks about but people should be talking about more than the Nashville Predators? I mean, they've reeled off seven straight wins. Their farm club didn't have a loss in 2024. I think uh, they were 18-0-0 for a while. So, there's something good going on in Nashville, but not a lot of people seem to be talking about it. Is this something that, again, obviously with Barry Trotz from Dauphin, Manitoba, you know, he's he's at the helm there. But is this a team that do you think they're ahead of what they were expecting to be or do you think they're kind of on pace where they wanted to be? I think Nashville's a bit of a different situation because usually if you're talking about UC Soros being traded, you're like, oh, they want to be bad. Like they what are they going to do? Play their backup? No, they're going to call up Yaroslav Askarov and be, similar to when Rene went to, when it went from Rene to Saros, there's not going to be a drop-off. It's probably not going to be a major drop-off between Saros and Askarov. Like I think Askarov's that good, but Nashville's interesting, right? Because I think there were heavy rumors pretty much up until last week and a half or so. Saros was on the market. Carrier was on the market that Nashville was, was going to be looking and they wanted to kind of give their younger players an opportunity. And they had a great draft at this past draft, getting Matthew Wood and Tanner Mullendike, two kids that I was a big fan of. I think when you look at this in Nashville, they're doing what Dallas did a few years ago with Robertson hints where they had like one season where they weren't great. And that was the year that Dallas got Haskin in, but They've had a bunch of seasons where they've drafted in the 20s and they've gotten guys like Jake Ottinger, Maverick Bork, Logan Stakehoven was a second round pick. And so I think Nashville's a candidate to be that where they already have Philip Forsberg. They've got a couple guys, obviously Roman Yossi, and you can sort of trade out some guys because you have young guys waiting to come up. So I don't think Nashville's actually that far away from being a contender. The problem is, is they don't have that stud stud up front. Yet yeah, they they need somebody to kind of come into that, but Nashville's an interesting team ahead of the deadline because like they could just as soon lose three straight and Barry Trotz goes, "Okay, I'm trading Carrier and Soros." But I think if they continue on this hot streak, they're not trading anybody out, and they might be someone you don't want to see in the first round. Rachel, if you're the Calgary Flames, I mean, the, we we know all the names that have been bandied about there, and it's just been a so much noise in, in that organization. And Jacob Markstrom sort of yesterday came out and spoke about it and the fact that his name has been bandied about and he's going to New Jersey and he's not going to New Jersey, and then he's staying in Calgary and maybe he's not staying in Calgary, and who knows what what's going to happen there. But if you're the Flames and you have Markstrom under contract for the next couple of years at the $6 million price, and, and you don't really know where you're going as a franchise. Are you better off keeping him, or are you better off trying to extract as much value from a team like New Jersey, for example, and, and, de- and dealing him away? 
I think given where Markstrom's contract is and given where Calgary is, they're not going to be ready to contend when he's still playing at his best. I would be extracting value here. I think a team like New Jersey needs a goaltender. They're going to be willing to pay for it. I mean, like, look at last night. Like, they're really struggling right now. They cannot keep the puck out of their net. And so I'm Tom Fitzgerald. I recognize that. It's not just my coaching. My goaltending and my defense have not been very good. Obviously, they're missing Dougie Hamilton. But I think with Calgary's situation right now, they are not going to be a Stanley Cup contender, or at least by my estimation, while Jacob Markstrom is on this contract performing at a high rate. And so I think you should be trying to extract value from a team who does need a goaltender. And at the end of the day, you should be trying to maximize the value of all of the players on your roster. If you have the opportunity to improve your roster, whether it's now or in the future, that's always something you should be taking a look at. Rachel, I got to ask you about the avalanche because, you know, Zach Parise is actually one of my favorite players of all time. Ask Dave and Drew, you, you mentioned the Devils. I'll admit I'm a Devils fan. Yeah. Uh, and that trade has actually worked out pretty well. I mean, Parise is 38, 39 years old. He had didn't he have a couple of goals the other night? Uh, so that that trade was good. But I think you'd agree signing. that a lot of uh, probably uh, pardon me signing. But I think you'd agree that uh, second line center is in need. Ryan Johansson has not worked out. Uh, I thought he was going to be better for the Avalanche this year. But goaltending is also somewhere where people think that the Avalanche might make a move. Like, who do you kind of have? as, as a, a good fit for the avalanche because there's there's no shortage of names out there but it's really it's like musical chairs it's really hard to figure out you know who the avalanche have their eye on yeah the abs are the one thing that the abs are always going to do is is have guys that analytically are at least somewhat sound um i could actually see them going back to the eric johnson well uh potentially i could see them going the adam henrique route um I, I do think that they're going to make an upgrade somewhere on their roster, if not use quite a few of the prospects that they've drafted. They've done a really good job drafting. I think they're going to use some of that ammo. Um, they showed that you can win without a goaltender being a Soros or a Bobrovsky of last year kind of thing. Vegas showed last year that you don't need like your goaltender to backstop you all the way. Like you can, you can get there with, good goaltending, right? Just reliable goaltending. And I think Georgiev can provide that. I think they do need, like that second line center position is an area they just have to address. I think they need more depth up the middle. And so I look at a guy like Adam Henrique and I'm like, I like him. If they want to go with the winger route, then yeah, Pavel Bushnevich is a guy that I think would be a great fit. But at the end of the day, you need another center if you're Colorado, I think. You've, you've got to have some difference maker. You see the difference between two lines and three lines that can really compete and put the sticks to teams. That's the difference in a lot of playoff series. Oh, Rachel, we've been watching the Buffalo Sabres futility uh, for, for some years now, 12 straight years. And we have Marty Baron on all the time and nobody knows that team better than Marty, but it just seems like every year you're like, okay, they've got a good crop of young players to come into the system, a number of guys who played here in Manitoba, whether it was with the Winnipeg Ice or otherwise. But what do you see in Buffalo? Because again, every year you're like, this is going to be the year they're going to take that step forward. They got Rachel, Dave them. wants you to talk about Zach Benson here. This is what he's setting <laughs> you up for. No, but I just mean just from a, from the totality of the Sabres, like what is the plan do you see in Buffalo? Because again, just seems like it's another lost year in Western New York. Yeah, I, I guess I don't agree with the public sentiment about Buffalo. I think a lot of people are really uh, rushing 
if you look at the Buffalo Sabres, the the teams that go from like worst to first generally have a generational talent. So like, actually not even because the Edmonton Oilers like had Dreisaitl <laughs> and freaking McDavid and have had years where they were futile because that their their management. I think in Buffalo, Jack Eichel was great. Yeah. That's setting that aside. He's not a right. generational talent. Like when the Leafs put Austin Matthews in the lineup, they went to the playoffs that year. They had Matthews and Marner in their rookie year. They went to the playoffs that year. It wasn't really a question. Whereas with Buffalo, they've had a ton of high picks. None of them netted a, a Bedard, a Matthews, a McDavid, a McCarr, like that, that kind of pick. So I think you need them to develop and really sort of come together. Like if you look at the steps that Rasmus Dahlin took last year and this year, he's going to be in the Norris conversation for years to come. Owen Power is only in his second year. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy that once he gets his footing underneath him, if you think about a guy like Charlie McAvoy, once he really got his footing, he's been one of the best defensemen in the league ever since. So he's going to have another year under, under his belt. And I think when you go into your third full season, that's when you really start to take a step forward. Zach Benson <laughs> is making me look very good right now. I appreciate <laughs> him very much because I said there's no way he should have been available where he was. And the fact that he's come in and made an impact, Tage Thompson's obvious development. So I think you need time for some of these younger guys to really develop. You need Paterka to take another step. You need Levi and Lukanen to take mo- like more steps forward. And I think in Owen Power's third full year in the league is probably because he's like the last of that prospect generation, I'll say. That's when you expect them to start making the playoffs. I never expect non-generational talents to be able to drag their team to the playoffs in the first year. I mean, yeah, Bedard's been hurt, but like he's not even going to do that. And so I think mm-hmm. there's always time that's needed for prospects to acclimate. If you look, Montreal's the same way. Like, Right now, Slavkovsky, I think we can kind of say, like, probably not worth the first overall pick yet. But that doesn't mean he can't get there. Cole Caulfield needs time. Nick Suzuki needed time. Arbor Jacki needed time. He wasn't even a draft pick. Like, you just need more time when you don't have the high, high-end skill. Rachel, well, by the way, way hey, hold on, hold on one second. You mentioned Slavkovsky. I'm not sure if you saw my tweet or you remember my tweet. I was serious about that. There, were, For those who don't know what I'm talking about here, um, I don't even know who you got into it with, Rachel, on, on the Hab side, but uh, somebody got really defensive about Slavkovsky and was saying some not too nice things to Rachel. So Rachel agreed to donate money. I think it was five bucks a point or something like that for the rest of yep. his points. But whatever it is, I'll, I'll match it and I'll give it to the Canadian Mental Health Association. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, he only has two points in the last uh, two weeks. So well, that's $10 more than as he has. Well, yeah. we'll give we'll give a minimum a hundred or a hundred, whatever it is. But I mean, it's just funny that I was following that. I'm like, come on, I gotta help Rachel out here. She's not saying that Slavkovsky is a bust. Like Montreal fans are just, as you know, very sensitive. Oh, so sensitive. Like we don't need to be evaluating people's ability to win a battle. You're a first overall pick. You should be scoring at a point a game, and I don't want to hear it until then. Now, I think he's he had like a 29 game portion of the year where he's scoring. So I don't think that he can't get there. It's just right now, it doesn't look mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Let's not Let forget have... how young he is, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, there's time. I'm giving him time to get there, but if you look at some of the other first overall picks, like, they were impact players sort of 
right away. If he's an impact player next year, like, okay, great. There you go. He's proved that he's worth the pick right now. I'm saying he hasn't. I, I never said he was like going to be a bust for his whole career. It's just in his selective hearing. <laughs> Rachel, la- last question for you here. I look at Edmonton. You're talking about generational talents. Well, we know the generational talents that are on that roster. Yeah, Zach but, Hyman. You know, <laughs> 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 That's funny, Ezzy. Uh, but you look at that team, and it's basically the same team as last year's team that, that was eliminated, I believe, in the second round. W- why should their expectations be any different this year than it was last year for the Oilers? Well, I think the expectations last year for the Oilers were Stanley Cup or bust. And so right. I, I think that they're th- that this year. The problem that they have is that when Ekholm and Bouchard aren't on the ice, they can't defend to save their lives. And that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. They need to address that. They need a Carrier. Uh, they needed a Tanev. Someone like that. But over and above that, if you could pry UC Soros out of Nashville, that has to be where the assets go. And it can't. they can't be anywhere else. Like, there's... Stuart Skinner, sure, like you can have a great run, but if anyone's going to try and look me in the eye and say that UC Soros isn't a major upgrade over Stuart Skinner, I'm just going to like laugh. Like well, we're talking about and, one of the best goalies in the league. <laughs> and and Vegas got away with it last year with sort of not name brand goaltending because look at of their the defense, defense in front of us. <laughs> exactly. You can't have both. You can't have, uh, you know, yeah. uh, average goaltending and average defending. No, you, if you, if you have, Basically, like three guys who could probably play on Team Canada on your back end, at least two. Yeah. Like, eh, yeah, you're going to have a better time defensively. And right. if you also have Bruce Cassidy coaching your defensive system, he's one of the best defensive minds in the game. Like, yeah, you're, uh, you probably don't need Patrick Waugh attending the goal for you. But if you're going to have two good defensemen, uh, you might need a better goaltender. <laughs> That, that that that's hockey math right there in a nutshell. Rachel Dory, uh, the you know, thank you so much for joining us this morning. A great appearance, your first appearance here on the show, but we'll be sure to do it again real soon. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Take care, Rachel. Thanks so much for joining Thanks, us Rachel. this morning. There she goes, Rachel Dory, joining us this morning on the show. Great guest. Always thrilled to welcome new people here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. And that's I thought we, we might have had Rachel back in the radio days, but I couldn't remember. I don't believe so, but you know the days so. definitely blend together. Uh, and you know, if you ask me what I had for dinner last night, it, it, it's definitely a blank. So, no, ask well, me what happened a few years ago. I have no sure. clue whatsoever. Uh, yeah, and regardless, I mean, Rachel is is super. You can tell she's very well spoken, super smart, knows a lot about hockey. She can break down every team, and you should definitely listen to the Staff and Graf, Graf podcast with Mikey Stevens. He yeah. used to write for the Hockey News. I'm not sure if he used to write for the Athletic. But uh, they do a great job. Um, and, yeah, great to have Rachel on. Only six days left, boys. We're going to find out very soon what trick Chevy has up his sleeve. Will we be doing a pop-up show is the question. Well, we'll see. Time will tell on that front. We'll see if the Jets I mean, We only have, like, eight post-game moves. shows. I know. We only have a post-game show in, coming up. Actually, in no, about... this, this week is actually not that big. If he doesn't do it this weekend, then we've only got a Tuesday and a Friday. So we got some time. We got Tuesday, we got Friday late, we got Saturday morning, and we got Saturday late. So you I know. understand. Okay, just want to. Make I sure agree you... with Rob about Drew's tan. Like I'm starting to think that Drew is visiting Fabutan during the day, I'm just not, to keep I that do, tan going. I do not fake bake. Uh, I I tan very easily. But you uh, wake and bake, anybody, and you bruise you know, like a peach. I bruise like a peach and I tan very easily. As anyone knows uh, uh, or seen my dad before, he also is uh, has a bit of a darker complexion. Uh, so uh, both of us, when we hit the sun, we, as my wife likes to say, I brown up like a biscuit uh, very quickly. 
you know, and then you make, and then you eat a biscuit. That and then, of course, she says it while I'm eating a biscuit. You know, because biscuits are a staple of the Mendel family diet. I have you know? I have been lucky enough to eat Laura's biscuits. I'm a big biscuit guy. Like warm, a you nice say warm you biscuit. Laura's biscuits. I, no, <laughs> That's no, it. no, I'm done. No, 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 no. Nose <laughs> over, guys. Come on, where where's your head at? <laughs> Dave and I went the exact same spot, the exact Holy same minutes. Yeah, Ezzy, how could you? Tikona uh, Polly's waked and baked. A trisket, just for the a biscuit. I'll take a Triscuit or a biscuit. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, the Jets and the Hurricanes. Before I'm getting you off, whatever you were going there. With, Dave's mind is already on that Moose game this afternoon. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, Dave's mind is on the fact that I've got like 20 minutes to get this podcast up so some folks can download the podcast before we have to start watching that Jets game, and then and then also figuring out when I'm going to go from here to Canada Life to uh, set up, and I will. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I like when it catches me off guard. Like now it's not just me doing it. So even I get caught off guard by the uh, Manuk. That's Moose what Minute. happens when you give me, give me admin powers. Drew. I don't know how much longer um, you're going to keep I, those I, admin I can't powers. I can't believe we haven't taken those away yet, to be perfectly honest. Well, the Moose game to answer Decona Pauly is at 2 o'clock. For the record, actually, it's a good segue, though, even though there's nothing Moose related to talk about because uh i you know we've all we had tickets it. to give away well we gave away tickets already for today but i do have two more tickets for tomorrow afternoon's game i'll take them p.m uh you are not eligible but 2 p.m if anybody wants to go to the yeah. moose game i want to know which kid as he isn't bringing that's what i want yeah. to know if he's only getting two tickets which kid aren't you bringing exactly, exactly. so if you want to go to the moose game send me an email dave at illegalcurve.com or slide into my dms at ic dave moose and uh stars that'll be concluding a six game set in Winnipeg for the Manitoba Moose, and then they head out on the road. I believe they'll practice on Monday, and then head out on Tuesday, and then they—I think they play six on the road. But so yeah, this is up today's game, and we talked about it at the beginning of the show. Stankovin was just a paper transaction. He's been recalled back yeah. to the Dallas Stars, so he will yeah. not be in the lineup uh, for the Texas Stars uh, this afternoon. In Jim Nil just Winnipeg. saved ten thousand dollars on the salary well, cap. Matt Hyman is st- bor- borrowing Ezzy's jokes, although he credited Ezzy. He said, "Is Tyrell CCM playing Tyrell Bauer?" Is yeah. not playing today. He's dealing with a back issue, as is why bon, why Bon Giovanni's issue is in his back. He's not playing, of course. Danny Jilkin, the 2022, 2022 third rounder, he is done for the season. He had shoulder surgery earlier this week. So um, those are your updates for the Moose. And like I said, they'll they'll be as Drew just detailed. A little breaking Mendel Moose minute. No Stankovin for the Texas Stars. That's a huge boost. He hasn't really burnt the the Moose too badly. But uh, he's always a threat when he's in the lineup. So, uh, so that's that's a be- benefit for them. And yeah, like I said, it'll be a, it'll be a big test because they need to start putting some points on the board, and they want to be a playoff team. And right now, they're not. So that's what they need to do. So they need to They'll win have to this. deal with Maverick Bork. By the way, is there a better name in hockey right now than Maverick Bork? It's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. I will give you that. It's, so uh, I, you mentioned the playoffs. I mean, the Moose certainly have not had the, uh, the year that they want, but they really they are can't win still- at home. I know they can't win at home. You 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 chronicle that <laughs> every time you're there. Moose lose again at home, but yeah. they are still in the playoff race because the bottom of that central division is so pretty terrible. Yeah, I mean Chicago, Iowa, and Manitoba essentially are fighting for that fifth spot. So right. I mean Grand Rapids, similar to Milwaukee. Actually, Milwaukee's lost a little bit. Milwaukee being the uh, Nashville Farm Club, Detroit's Farm Club in Grand Rapids. They've been. I think they've won. I think they're out their streak right now is like 24 games straight or something like that with at least a point. So they're on fire um, as are the, like I said, Milwaukee, even though they've lost two in the last little bit. Um, but then again, it falls off. Texas is good. And you also wonder what it's going to look like for the playoffs, right? For, for some of these teams and how they'll, they'll do. So uh, yeah, these, these 
three clubs are, are fighting and vying for that that fifth spot right now in the central not super exciting but again you want these you want these prospects to get playoff games it's important for them so the moose uh you hope they will be able to stabilize things and pick up some uh, wins against texas and more importantly go on the road and i believe they play milwaukee and iowa so those are the teams that you want to make some hay against central division rivals so we'll see what they can do but we'll see how many of these guys are still on the team as he come next week when the trade deadline <laughs> elapses that's very true well, especially with what... injuries you might have a player like Axel Janssen Fjall be called up. I don't think it's going to happen today, but yeah. you never know. It's unlikely that he's going to get called up and be able to get to Raleigh, North Carolina in the next 30 exactly. minutes. I'm, I, I'm not... AJF uh, is going to be playing a Canada life this afternoon. I'm not an aviation expert, but I'm pretty sure they won't be able to travel to Raleigh in time for the, to get to the yeah. game in 30 minutes from now. But you have flown uh, on a private jet before, though. I haven't, in fact, flown on a, uh, flown on a private jet. That's, that is a fallacy. Well, that, Sheldon uh, hasn't invited you on uh, Mindell Air? No, no, he hasn't. Uh, but uh, I would like that. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have that change. If anyone has a PJ lying around that you want to chauffeur me around the country, and that would be fine with me. Uh, no, yet uh, no further update yet from the uh, from Raleigh, North Carolina. We know yeah, that illegalcurve.com. That's where you're going to find it out, folks. That's exactly what I was going to say. Go to illegalcurve.com <laughs> after the show wraps in a couple minutes, and we'll have the latest on the Jets lineup for this morning's game against the hurricanes we know no brendan dillon so that's been confirmed brendan mm -hmm. dillon under the kenny weather we've confirmed that i just checked kenny weeb's twitter account because i believe he's the only uh traveling media covering the jets if i'm not mistaken uh and, and i do think that uh, he hasn't tweeted or pe messaged uh any of us or he hasn't posted anything so his most recent tweet was about brendan dillon so like you said logan stanley in for dillon most likely no velarde and we'll have to wait you know in the next half an hour to find out who else is out Yes, the details will come out momentarily. Keep it locked on IllegalCurve.com. Dave will have it ready for you. And, of course, the Illegal Curve post-game show, which is going to get underway in about, uh, let's say, three Ten minutes. hours from now, right around 2.15 this afternoon. A weird one for the game and a weird one for the post-game show. Should we but just keep the show going, Drew, and we'll just go right into the post-game show? We'll do, like, a live play-by-play -play of the Jets-Hurricanes game, and then we'll do just do the get... post-game show. So just keep it rolling. Do you want to get divorced? No, I like my okay. wife. So you should probably go home for a couple hours and, and okay. see your family would be my Give her a massage. There. But uh, okay, whatever you're going to do, that's up to you. I don't really need right. the details. Buy her some flowers. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Big thanks to our spot. Would Ezzy please be quiet? Mute. Dave, can you mute him, please? Thank Sorry you. Uh, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. We want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Grid Park, Zappia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rollies Transfer, and of course, Farmery Beer. These fine companies help support Illegal Curve. They make this show, the post-game show, and the website a possibility. We will be back in a couple hours' time, around 2.15 for the post-game show. In case you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us feedback here, there, and everywhere in case you missed either Scotty Billick or Rachel Dory or any of this morning's show. The instant replay starts immediately after I hit end stream and of course the podcast will be available shortly we'll see everybody at around 2 15 go have a good couple hours enjoy the game for dave manuk for ezra ginsburg i'm your host drew mandel if it's saturday it's the illegal curve hockey show live on youtube and all of our social media platforms thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey for more great illegal curve content subscribe to the illegal curve youtube channel 
Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.